one of those days that we'll never have again. I am Pastor Leslie Lee, here for Kingdom Conversations, where we're going to discuss the supernatural and prophetic encounters with the Word of God. We're going to do a few new things. We apologize. We're about three minutes late. We had our little technical difficulties, which sometimes does happen uh, with equipment, but nevertheless, we'll end on time. So we're going to pray, and you may see, um, well, you're going to see some good things. Because we're going to follow up on some conversations that we had last week, and we're going to see where it takes us. Heavenly Father, I come before you in the name of Jesus. And I thank you for the peace that passes understanding down in my heart. I thank you for, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your goodness and your mercy. I thank you for joy and the exposure of works of darkness that try to come against us. I thank you that the solution is always in your name and your word and in the precious power-filled voice of the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus itself, and the sound that resonates in the atmosphere. Father, I thank you for friends. I thank you for family. I thank you for truth. I thank you that you are our stability in all times. I thank you for the discovery of scripture, that it's almost like we never saw it before when we might have read it many a time, but then that powerful, alive, atmosphere, that powerful, alive experience, the rhema word starts to vibrate off the page and catches our attention, caressing us, sometimes flicking us upside our heads. However it is, it gets our attention. You do get our attention. And I just love the way that you love us. I really do. And thank you for the conversations that will take place tonight. I thank you for the things that you're already speaking in my heart. And I believe in the heart of many that have tuned in to join us. <coughs> whether they're live and in person here at 1914 Trade Zone Boulevard in San Jose, California, or they're joining us by original broadcast or rebroadcast, however it happens to be. This word that you have for us is always relevant because you are never out of style. And I thank you and praise you for the power of your name. I thank you for your peace. I thank you for your joy. I thank you for laughter. And I thank you for truth that settles in and takes hold of us and turns things around. Thank you for the blessings, the blessings, the blessings of being a part of your family and everything that goes with it. Thank you for the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers, the intercessors, the seers, the workers of, of the gospel. And thank you for people that are from every single aspect of the realm of the kingdom of God. And whether we have recognized it or not, we will see, we will hear, we will know more than we do right now. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So, new sign, uh, new direction, and I just want to have some fun with this. But it's still kingdom conversations. It's still the supernatural and prophetic encounters with the word of God. We're becoming better versions of ourselves. The more that the things of this earth fall away from us, the clearer our direction comes. Tonight, what we're going to talk about, uh, I had a conversation with Bertie, And I told her, I said, for once, I actually know somewhat. I have a hint of what we were going to discuss. And I'm not going to necessarily say that it, uh, it's, it's something to be uh, jumping up in joy with your pom-poms over. But I think at the end we may do something of that sort. 
What we're going to do is we're going to take a look at the scriptures on the next slide, and it'll show you pretty much the direction that we're going to go. So even if we don't necessarily open it up to all of them, though I, I really think we will, what you're going to understand is that this is what we're looking at. We're going to look at the Word of God. We're going to see a few uh, situations, and we are going to explore. Now, where I'm going to come from with this is Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. So why don't we go on ahead and get over to that one, and then we'll see how all of this stuff opens up for us, okay? So Hebrews chapter 12. And I'm going to read it out of a couple of different things. Uh, the Bible that I have on my desk is more of a Jewish Bible. It is called the Supernatural Bible. And so it has a tendency, it always refers to Jesus as he is, as Yeshua. And it takes us into different things. So I will use, I still use this one, though I still insist, bring your real Bible when we have these conversations because it's just so much more fun. But I'm also reading out of the King James Version. And so in the King James the scripture says in verse 1, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. And verse 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And if we went on a little further with that, it says, For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. Boy, is that an interesting statement. Uh, Least you become weary. And that word is the gainsaying or the hostility. That's what he's talking about. Against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. I mean, I think that should be circled, highlighted, exclamation point, purple marked. Uh, marked in red, starred, and every other kind of thing that you do to say, oh, this is where I live, right here. <laughs> but he says this in verse 4, for all that we can say, hey, identify word, oh, that's the truth. Verse 4 says, but you haven't yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks unto you as in children. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when you are rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. And if you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. That's a very interesting statement. For what son is he who the father does not chasten or bring into correction? But if you're not, if you are without chastisement, and this speaks to the deception of how some people think, whereof all you are partakers, he says all of y'all are going to get chastised, and you're bastards and not sons. Now, that's pretty strong for somebody that thinks, uh, well, uh, what are you saying? What are you saying? That word is nothos, and it means we don't know who your daddy is. <laughs> you're an illegitimate child, um, born not, in, not, not lawfully. You're sneaking in. You're coming through the back door, and you're claiming sonship, but you don't, I, God does not recognize you as a son because you, he, he has never become your father. That's an interesting thing. I'm not going to go there tonight, but um, if those of you that are supposed to touch, you just did. And then he says in verse 9, Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh who corrected, and we gave reverence, showing not much rather be in subjection to the father of spirits. Okay, so there we go again with that spirit to spirit. 
Do you understand? And that's a slide, Chris, I didn't put in there. So, you, you know, spirit to spirit. I didn't put that one in there. So please go ahead and just, you know, draw that one up. Okay, spirit, father of spirit. See, it's spirit to spirit. We are begotten of him. For they, he says, the fathers of the earth, for a few days chastened after their own pleasure. And boy, do I have to think about that, the way that we grew up in discipline. But I don't think that they enjoyed being mean to us, but they did like to bring correction or order in the house. Oh, yeah. I said, but he for profit, that dad, that other one, that, but we might be partakers of his holiness. For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but God does it for profit, not for money making, but that we might be partakers of his holiness. So we, he wants us to profit from these things. He wants us to be able to be increased by receiving his chastening, by saying, this, this is good for me to hear. This is good. I need to hear this. I need this word. I need this correction. And then he says in verse 11, Now no chastening for the present seems to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised therefore. Thereby, wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. And that, <coughs> excuse me, is talking about, you know, the broken parts of us. We have to determine that we are not going to allow ourselves to be taken out by a broken part that God can heal, that, that the blood of Jesus has already made provision for. That's pretty much where we're going to, um, I think where we're going to our stem, this, this, this conversation tonight is going to stem from. And then it says, follow peace with all, all and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, and lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble and thereby many be defiled. You see how all of these things are kind of tying together uh, with our uh, what we're talking about. And this word defiled here is referring to being stained. And we are going to talk about being stained tonight. Okay. Um, which probably will be a great segue into Sunday. And prayerfully I can get to what I've been wanting to get to. But verse 15 Again, you have to look diligently. Who's going to look diligently? Each of us. We're looking. That word really does just mean episcopal. It means to look, to, to take in what you have missed. To take in what you have missed. And at least there be any, and then it goes going on and on. Fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For you know how that afterward when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no peace of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. And it goes on to what mountain we have come from. I think if you were, I, I have it written down, Hebrews 12, 1. But really, I, I would like us to just mark that in terms of the reading that we're going all the way to verse, chapter, verse 17. So we'll correct that on the slide as well. That it's Hebrews 12, 1 through 17. So once you corrected that um, scripture, make it Hebrews 12, 1 through 17. I want to tell you what we're talking about, but I want to go ahead and keep reading the scripture. And then we'll, because I want to make sure that the word of God takes precedence over anything else that has to be said. That we are 
being led by this. This is the direction that we're following is what he says. And this is really important, I think, tonight because this is a breakthrough type of message. Um, let me keep reading and then we'll, we'll come back to it. OK, let the next scripture after Hebrews 12, one through. Tell me what I said. 12, 1 through 17, thank you, okay, is to, um, which I can't change in my own notes, but that's okay. All right, next is Mark chapter 5, and so let's go over there to Mark 5. And we're going to start in verse 1. And it talks about, this is... Um, if you've ever read my book, Christina, can I have yours? I promised Soshi, who is my uh, boss, <laughs> as far as uh, she's she is my public, and she's 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 my friend, and she is moved by the spirit of God. Thank you, Christina. Mm -hmm. The spirit of God has told her, you know, is giving me instructions that I personally won't promote myself, and so I had to be taught: you're not promoting you; you're promoting the message of God. Because that was what it was. But I promised that I would from now on have a copy of this book. If I don't have it on the table, then I will at least have it on the screen. And so what I'm going to say to you, because this is a perfect segue, is I talk a little bit about this, I think, in this book, which is called Kingdom 101. This is the first book that I have uh, released out of this series that will come. Book 2, Kingdom 202, most likely will debut in 2021. But I have probably about seven other projects that I'm also working on. And as much as possible, because I'm a self-published author, uh, it will probably be possible for me to get them all out. It just means all my editors and readers are going to have to do their part. And hey, if I know you and you want to be one of my test readers, all you have to do is let me know. I'll give you opportunities for that a little bit later. I'm not doing the website stuff right now, but we will do that. And I'll probably have Crystal look up my website so that you can see where we're talking about but this is Kingdom 101. And in this book, I am talking about the same type of things that we're referring to here, the conversations of the kingdom. Fine, I get the hint. There it is. Okay. Um, the conversations of the kingdom. And what we're doing, and this is Christina's copy. So uh, I want to show you a difference. This is kind of fun. This is what y'all actually get. This is my copy. When I first published the book, this is what they call the non -for, not for resale copy. It's exactly the same, but this is the author's copy. And as you can see, all the white trim, it's not the actual, um, uh, what do you call retail copy of the book. But it, it has all the elements on it. But this is how I know my copy of the book from anybody else's copy of the book. So thank you. But I, I won't keep this one up there. So thank you very much, Chrissy. Um, but within this, do you want me to get it? Oh, yeah, you can take it. Thank you. I'm going to wave to everybody, too. Just turn it away. Mi amiga Cristina. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm going to tell you something else, too, and this is kind of fun. Cristina is one of my dearest friends, and we go back quite a few years. But whenever I'm teaching and I'm in a pastoral or, or a prayer type of mode, I have had many times when I'm naming people by name, I'm doing a roll call. And I will say at the end of it, as I've just seen faces, I'll say, did I leave anybody out? And I cannot tell you the number of times, and the most recent one was yesterday, that Christina has to say, me, me, Christina. You didn't say me, Christina. I never say me, Christina. But um, 
if ever a person had an opportunity to walk in a fence, it would be somebody that's like, I thought I was supposed to be one of your best friends. But every time you start naming people, my name is completely overlooked. She doesn't take offense. She had to learn not to take offense because it's pretty, it has happened more than, more than 10 times, okay? It's not, it's not, how you say, deliberate. What happens sometimes is your mind is going so fast with, with all the scriptures and all the things and you're listening to the Holy Spirit and trying to process everything and get out the right stuff that we, we have to slow down in order to make sure that everybody's name will come up and that, or that all of the different things you're trying to say. What happens for me is you, I can get words that I'm used to using or examples that I tend to go to over and over and it can narrow the focus and have people think, well, I'm exempt because she's never mentioning anything that plagues me. Tonight, sweetheart, we're gonna cover you. <laughs> tonight, if we don't get the specific, we will get the general and we will hit the yeah, mark for you tonight, I promise you. So what I'm saying is because the Bible we already read in Romans, I mean Hebrews, that he said, this is not just for a few, this is covering everyone. These are the words the Spirit of the Lord is speaking to us all. So that's what I wanted to tell you. And the book can be found on Amazon.com and at our local bookstore. So that's my comment with regard to that. I'll keep it right there. Okay. All right. And on occasion, I give them away. So we'll have to see how. Yes, I give them autograph too. Okay. You don't get any money for that, but we'll do it. All right. Mark chapter 5, verse 1. I've given you enough time to find it. And they came over into the other side of the sea. Into the, and anytime, Chris, did you ever want to put the scriptures up on the board? I'm fine with that. I don't think we have that equipment on this side, but if we do, um, do it. And so then they came over onto the, onto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. Um, and some translations, it reads the Gergesenes. Um, but what I thought was really interesting is what the meaning of this word is, because what it means is a reward at the end. I've been to this, this area. It doesn't look like much of a reward if you're just looking at the, the ruins and the things when we went to Israel. But this was a very significant place for me. And I want you to keep that in mind as I go on. So the reward at the end, this is the place that they had come to. And when he was come out of the ship, meaning when Jesus had come out, let me read it out of this one. This is when he had come out of the boat, immediately a man with an unclean spirit came out of the tombs and met him. He lived among the tombs, and no one could constrain him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains. But he had pulled the chains apart and broken the shackles to pieces, and no one could subdue him. Now, you know that this has to be a demonic, this is a demonically possessed person. This is a person that had, where the demons have taken over, and they are pushing him and tormenting him and slapping at him and beating at him, to the place that he even tries to cut himself, where he's doing all kinds of stuff. There's a lot of moaning. There's a lot of crazy. And I promise you, this guy doesn't come with clean-cut haircut. He's not cleanly, freshly shaven and, and smelling really wonderful with whatever kind of aftershave or whatever it is men do. And, you know, he's, this is not, and he's not attired in a, in, a, in a wonderful business suit or a designer outfit with shiny shoes. That's not what was greeting them. When they got out of this boat, this guy looked like a wild man, and he looked crazy, okay? He 
His eyes would have had a very dangerous glint to them. He would have snarled a lot. There would be a lot of animal or beastly type of behavior because he was really consumed by barbaric spirits because there is not a civilized demon. Get that. He lived among the tombs and no one could constrain him and no one could subdue him. Verse five, always. Now, just get it. Night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. This man is tormented. This man is in severe emotional pain. This man has memories and thoughts and words and taunts and and episodes of darkness. And we are not told how he came to be this way. Because sometimes what we have to understand is that the origin of the thing is not nearly as important as the end of the thing. This is the day for this man that the torment was to end. You know, we talk about sometimes that you're going to have a very significant day. Well, this, what we're reading here is an encounter with the living word of God. And this was the most significant day of this man's life. This was his turnaround day. Let it be yours. This was his turnaround day. He didn't even know it yet. But Jesus was on a mission from the Father. And he had been sent to this region for one person, this man right here. And so it says, here he is night and day in the mountains and amongst the dead, the tombs, dead bones, and all of this other stuff in the night, crying out and cutting himself with stones. And that, that just, in the um, King James, it says that he was, always night and day, in the mountains, in the tombs, the same thing pretty much, crying and cutting. So, but it's the word crying that really gets me as I think about this because he's croaking as a raven or he's screaming, calling aloud, shrieking, exclaiming. And in the midst of all of that, what do you think he's saying? Oh my God, would you please help me? Somewhere in the midst of all of this, he's crying out for God, but croaking, it says, the cry of a raven, a, a ravenger, a, a predator type of sound, a, uh, to cry out, to, to be loud. And sometimes he's, what, muttering to himself. Sometimes his voice is being used to curse himself. I've told it before, I'm not going to go into it tonight. But having, when you've been tormented and when you've been delivered from it, you can recognize certain things. This was this man's day of change forever. And so my hero, because I love this story. It says, verse six, but when he saw Jesus far off, he ran and worshiped him. In the, the other bird, he says, well, when he saw Yeshua afar off, he ran up and knelt, knelt before him. But he worshipped him. He kneeled before him. Now you picture, this is a man that is demon infested. He is yelling. He is violent. He is wild looking. He is uncontainable. He is dangerous to the people around. He is scary. 
this is a scary looking person. So all of you big faith people that are just thinking, well, it would be nothing. Most of the time, you know, you get off the boat and you got somebody crazy coming towards you and you have no weapon. Mm -hmm. You tend to back up. Now, this scripture came about because Bertie was asking me, we were talking about the difference between reacting to something and responding. A reaction puts you off your game, puts you back when you react to works of darkness. When you react, you can activate your offense button. You can activate your anger, your, your bitterness, whatever it is that's on the inside of you, it's going to come to the forefront and it's going to lead. And so here you've got, I don't know what the disciples did because the Bible doesn't tell me that in this story. But what it does tell me is what Jesus did. First of all, the fact that the man knelt at his feet lets me know that Jesus did not retreat even a little bit. Instead, he responded. And that means, because there's another translation of this, that it says that he began to speak as he is advancing toward this man. This man is coming toward him. And, and there's one version of it that it says he began to speak. And he began to say, come out of him. This is verse 8, uh, Mark chapter 5, verse 8. But he started to let it be known. Um, for Jesus had been amplified. It says, for he had been saying to him, come out of him. So even as this man sees him from afar, Jesus is already addressing the scenario. He doesn't even need anybody to tell him there's a demonic problem. He knew this before he came because this is why he came over there. All right. Are you with me so far? Yeah. Now, this this has a lot to do with where we're going. Come forth, you unclean spirit. And I really don't think he said it. That will come forth, thou unclean spirit. Come out of the man. I mean, somebody might want to pray it that way. But he basically, you're going to be leaving him today. This is the message that was being sent. Your days of tormenting this man, man have come to an end. Your days of having control over him, your days of slapping him around and mistreating one that God has created, we have just come to your end date. This is the end of this. And I have come on a purposeful assignment to let it be known that the power, the greater one, Jesus was walking in what we read as 1 John 4, 4, you are of God and the greater one is in you and greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. For this reason, I put you in this body, your spirit in this body to come and to, to destroy the works of darkness. I've come on a mission and it is to release the power of the love of God into a situation where this person does not even know he is loved. And that's one of the things that he wants us to know tonight. But I don't care how tormented you are. We don't care what the origin of your demonic uh, uh, influence has been. It doesn't stop the love of God from working in your life when you would choose to worship him. And that's what this man did. No matter how many devils there were, and it was a legion, so it was a mass amount. Okay, and I'm sure all you little Bible scholars that know what a legion is and so forth, you could tell me about the thousands and so forth. I don't care how many it is. If it had been just one, it was too many. You see. And as far as Jesus is concerned, we're just going to rope them all in and go. And what happened? That man, no matter how many, whether it was one or a million, when he decided to worship Jesus, not one devil had the power to stop him. So we're going to get rid of some excuses tonight. Because we like to say, well, you know, I try, but the devil just keeps coming against me. Not one demon 
not a legion could stop this man from worshiping Jesus when inside himself he said, he's the one I've been crying out for. God has just answered me, and I want to be free. When he knelt, those demons, if they had had the power over this man that they had told this man that they had, do you think he would have knelt at the feet of Jesus Christ? No. Or Jesus of Nazareth? No, he would not have. They would not have let him come anywhere near him. Your will, your power of choice is something even Satan cannot take from you. God would never take it, but God has set it up so that Satan, who would take it if he could, cannot override your will to follow after God. He can't stop you from believing God. He can't stop you from trusting God. Now, he's going to do what he's going to do, which is why we're going to have the other part of this conversation. But I want to set you up to recognize just how powerful your ability to make a decision really is. That's good. Okay. Thank you, Lord. So here he said, they, when he saw Jesus, now you see two actions here. You see, you see the reaction, the response, if you will, the response of the man to when Jesus showed up. And then you would see the reaction of the devil when Jesus showed up. Because what this, it says is that he knelt before him and worshipped him. But out of his mouth, there was a loud voice, a loud voice. And it said, what have I to do with you? <laughs> Jesus of Nazareth. Okay, or Jesus, uh, that word is megas. It means loud, high, strong, old. It, it has to do with um, ancient, even in terms of, uh, um, it is um, a massive voice. An old voice. A voice of, it says a voice of old, great, great age, or a stature and age. So it, this voice, or elder, use of intensity and its degrees. And it also is a voice that speaks of the mind and the emotions and the powerful senses. And it's voice that speaks violently. This was what you would call a last stand. And I can see why it would happen. Because darkness has just been confronted by true light. And it is reacting badly. It is backing up. It is going, what are you doing here? You're not supposed to be here. This is my territory. This is my domain. What do I have to do with you? Why are you here? Why are you intruding? And that was false bravado if there was ever false bravado. Because Jesus had said, come out of him. And this demon is being torn. Do you understand what I'm saying? As he has begun to speak, what do you think is happening? The power and the command that he has as the king of kings, as he has as a citizen of heaven, if you will. That power was radiating out and it was doing surgery. I've talked about how I can see the word of God sometimes like paratroopers landing on the ground and running to the different places. And I can see that this was, in this case, it was the hand of God Almighty that was reaching toward this man saying, yeah, I'm talking to you. You could see the finger getting right in its chest. You will come out of this man. That's the power of command. Now, Jesus wasn't yelling. He wasn't screaming. He wouldn't do anything. He said he began to say it before they could, before the man could hear it, but the spirits heard him just fine. So um, 
for he said to him, come out. And he asked him, then he said, and this is where people get this doctor. What is your name? Knock it off. That's all I got to say about that. If you listen to the Holy Spirit, you're going to know what you need to know. That's not what this was about. This was a lesson. And you don't, <laughs> this is a lesson. And that's all I, I really want to go into here. And when he asked him, they said, my name is Legion, for we are many. And then what did it do? It didn't keep going. It begged him. That they would not send them out of the country. Why out of the country? You're going to see it in just a moment. So there were, he says, he talks about the great herd of swine feeding and all the devils that were begging Jesus, imploring him. Can You can see they had already taken their stand. They knew they lost. Now they're just trying to get a consolation prize, if you will, saying, send us into the swine that we can enter into them. And he told them, he gave them leave. He said, okay, go. And the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. And there were about 2,000. I hate interrupting myself, but you do have somebody at the door. Just want to let you know that. Okay. And um, they that fed the swine fled. And this is what they said, and told in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it was that was done. And when they had come to Jesus and they saw him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion, here's my scripture. Sitting and clothed and in his right mind. Yes. They were afraid. Hmm. When they saw this man who had had this legion, okay, they saw him sitting. And one thing they seem to, they say they think that um, a legion is about 6,826. At least when they're talking in the time of Caesar Augustus. Uh, that it seemed to have consisted of 6,100 foot soldiers and 726 horsemen. Okay, so when we're talking a large number, all right, that this is what he was saying. They were saying, well, we, we've been in this region a long time, and through this one man, we've controlled it. Through this one man, we have exercised authority over this region. Through this fear, we've kept this man in fear. And what happened when the when the swine fled and they told about it, they because they ran, those that kept them. Um, when the swine ran over the side, I'm saying, those that kept them, they, they went into the city and they went into the country. They went out and published it. They went out and told it. They went and said it to everyone to see what it was that was done. And so those people come. Now you've got a crowd because this one miraculous act has brought a crowd of people from all over, from the city, from the country. This heroic or miraculous deed of freeing this man from the Legion has brought people from all over. And they come to see what's going on. And they see for themselves this one that has, apparently, they knew of him in the city and they knew of him in the country. And so this word spreads quickly. And they come and they see him sitting there with Jesus. And clothed. He's, he's not moving. He's not running. He's not tearing himself. He's not dangerous. And they found that to be the most frightening thing of all. Why? Because of the spiritual influence that they had all been under. The residue, the defiling, 
the stain of the sin, the stain of the demonic influence, the stain of fear. This is a country and a, and a, a region that has been ruled by the spirit of fear. They do the things that they do, but fear of what this could happen to us or the contamination or whatever it happened to be, it's there. And it's there in such a degree that they don't run to Jesus to worship him for what he's done. They run away from him. And they run to tell others as though the others are going to be able to do something. And so what did they do when the people saw and they heard the story of what happened with the devil and the swine that they began to ask him to leave. They, it says they pray to, to pray. They besought, they beseeched, because that's what that word is. Okay. They, they called for him to go. It's better for you not to be here. This is not going to work for us. And the man wanted to go too. And Jesus said, no, you're going to be the sign in the wonder here. And evidently he knew that the deliverance of this man was so great. He was never going to fall back into it. And I think, and uh, this is something uh, Bertie was saying, and I think this is so true. Since we know that they were just a boat right away, they had to know when he, where Yeshua was and where he was going to be. So how many of those people do you think, even though they were afraid, when the opportunity came to come and hear, began to hear? We don't know. We don't know what the purpose of the evangelism, this man being called to evangelize, to testify. He had a witness. He had a testimony. He could tell a story of what Jesus had done, what God had done for him through Jesus. <laughs> and that they could not refute it because they would look at him. They could not call him the old crazy. They could not call him any of these things because this is a man that when who also, if you want to see his testimony speaking to us today, when the opportunity came, 6,800 demons couldn't keep him from going to God and worshiping. So why did you let one? Can you see it? Yeah. That's yeah. what his question is. If I will come to him with 6,826 demons, and I won't let them stop me from worshiping him, then why would we let one? stop us okay let's go to the next one so the next one is romans chapter eight because it's like oh i'm glad you asked that question I'm sure you are. anybody that listens to me knows that i i come out of this scripture a lot all right we're going to go romans 8 1 through 16 i have the little ellipsis under there, the three dots so i hope i'm not blocking screen too there you go all right um because we can go on and on and on. There's so many more scriptures than, than there are what I've put up here. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 reads, Therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And then he says, For the law of the Spirit of Christ, or the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. So sin in the flesh has a end date. That's what he's saying. Yet you have an expiration time. There's a day that it just doesn't work anymore. There's a day 
that God, uh, this word condemned, which uh, speaks of he has judged it. This is an awesome thing for us that God has judged sin. Because it means that, you see, God wouldn't judge sin and then hold it against us in the sense that you can never be free of it. It's through Jesus that sin has been judged because that's the righteousness of God. And so what he has done is said, I have judged it and I'm giving you a way of escape. You do not remember verse one, that there is no condemnation. He's saying, yeah, I understand that there is this thing, this sin, consciousness. But if you will come into my son, if you were in Christ Jesus, you will be free of condemnation. Now, if you walk the way of the flesh, if you walk the way of offense, if you walk the way of unforgiveness, if you walk the way of, of carousing and, and continuing on, hearing the truth and bypassing it, if you walk the way of making up your own so-called gospel, then you're going to be tormented and you are going to be condemned. And that word condemnation is not your friend, okay? Uh, it's not a friendly word. It's not a pleasant word. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a word that you want to have uh, associated with you because it's a word that means a, sent, a damnation, a sentence of condemnation. And God is saying you are not sentenced to be condemned if you are in my son. Now, I want us to take something with that. If there's no condemnation, if you are in my son, that means everything's got to be there. So it's not you being an ostrich or whatever that animal is with your head down in the sand. That part of me, the head in the sand is in Christ Jesus, but all the rest of me is exposed. That means that your ideas about sickness and disease need to come into Christ Jesus. That means the way you think about wealth and, and prosperity needs to come in Christ Jesus. The way that you view other people needs to come into Christ Jesus. The way that you see yourself needs to come into Christ Jesus. Because that's where the condemnation is. Condemning others, condemning yourself, condemning society. Everything that you think, everything that you think you know has to come into this, into his son. It has to be in him. Why? Because that's where the cleansing is going to come from. That's where the changes are going to come from because Everything's going to have to come into alignment with the way that his son does what he does. What God is actually saying here, or, or what he said through this, through this apostle, is when you come into my son, you get removed. You're translated out of darkness and into this kingdom. And therefore, the ways of the kingdom of God, everything's going to have, it's going to have to be a full immersion. It cannot be pick and choose, partial according to those little restaurants, buffets, or, you know, where I go down the line and I pick this and I pick this, but I don't want any of that. You go to a sandwich shop and you can made the order. So, but I don't want everything. It's a funny thing because a sandwich, most chefs or, or cooks or whatever it is, when they make something, they make it with all the ingredients and they say, this is what actually the meal is. But you come along, well, I'm allergic to this or I don't like this or I never really cared for that. And you try to change the recipe. And still call it by the same name. It's like, well, no, what you have is an imitation. It's not the authentic. Because the way we built it, the way we designed it, that's the real thing. What you have is a, a very pale comparison or a whole new thing that doesn't have anything to do with the original creator. It has to do with what you created. And apart from him, the Bible says, apart from me, you can't do anything. That's right. 
So whatever you created is illegal if it's apart from God. And that includes your philosophy of life and your thoughts about how you and God have an understanding that you are the one that lacks understanding <laughs> because you and God will never have an understanding. We will never have an, uh, me and God got an understanding. No, we do not. I'm in sin and God understands that I'm outside of his son. But I fail to understand that. That's also in the book. Okay. <laughs> I know that's in the book. Okay. <laughs> can you see what I, can you see it? So here, this scripture is applicable, but we go, well, I'm still in sin, but there's, hey, there's therefore no condemnation. To the, there's no condemnation. Are you going to finish the scripture? There's more to it. <laughs> yeah. There's therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Well, I'm in Jesus who walk not after the flesh. What you talking about? <laughs> And then one more part. Well, I don't walk after the flesh, but walk after the spirit. You got, it's three parts. It's not just one little mass covering up. Oh, oh well, you know, the blood of Jesus, the, the blood of Jesus covers it. Does it now? It can when it is appropriated correctly. But some of our little, uh, some of our little, uh, uh, you know, little philosophies are are not. They don't qualify. You got it. Yes. All right. So it's like, wow, you got all that out of verse one. You, we yes. stand it a while and get a whole lot more. Okay. You know, who walk not after the the flesh? I don't walk according. I don't walk by the flesh, and I don't appreciate you saying that I do. Well. Hello. I don't have to say that you walk after the flesh. You, your life is telling what, what you walk after. Your results are telling what you walk after. And your ability to react instead of respond tells me who you're following. My name is Pastor Lindsay Lee, and I endorse that message. <laughs> okay. Now, wait, don't worry about it. Because by the time I finish now, you understand that I am not only a speaker of this word, but I'm also a doer of it. And, I, and that these things are quite applicable to me. Because I'm going to show you how uh, we're, we're going to talk again about some things that I experienced. And we're almost there. All right. So let's con continue on. And then I'll get to the part that should make you laugh. <laughs> For the law of verse 2, Romans 8. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Verse 3, for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. Now, we've just gotten through that. Now, so it's a good thing that sin is condemned in the flesh because you're not supposed to be walking according to the flesh. So if sin is condemned in the flesh and you're walking after the spirit, you're not condemned. See how you just explained it? that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. That's the purpose of us in a human body. And we talked on Sunday about, listen, you're a spirit and you live in a body and your body has a specific function. And it may not be some of the things you've let it function in. Okay. Think on that. I mean, I know y'all thinking I'm talking shenanigans and naughtiness and I am, but I'm talking about some other stuff too. Mayhap, it is, is you, you've allowed your body to become a carrier of stress. 
You've allowed your body to see, I know, you know, she's going to talk about sickness and disease or sex. Well, I just did. Let's keep going. Okay. How about being stressed, being filled with unforgiveness, being a, a body of wickedness because you're always offended and everybody owes you an apology and you owe, you owe nothing. I owe you no explanations. I owe you nothing. But you owe me an apology. Everything. And I want my money now. Right? See, she's feeling this. Okay. <laughs> Can you see it? It's like, well, that is not your royalty. Okay? That is a commode. That, where you're sitting, not a throne. All right. Y'all catch that? Good. All right. Uh, and we were looking at this today because it was like, you see, this is the idea. What it, You want to know what offense is like? Offense is this idea that everybody else who uses your bathroom, leaves it a terrible smell. But when you go in, it's all flowers, roses, and beautiful aromas, right? It's like, I don't know what 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 uh, place of delusion you live in, but it's not true because these human bodies, these flesh things, they, they can't go 24 hours. They need work. They need some soap and water. They need help and to, to teeth stuff, you know, and all this other kind of thing because... It's, you know why? Because of the decay that's in the earth. That's why. You got to use the word of God if you don't, you know, the anti-aging serum for real, <laughs> that you don't need that was found in, in Helsinki or by an African witch doctor or whatever those kind of commercials always are. It was found by this. No, no, the, the, it wasn't found by, by anybody looking for the fountain of youth. The word of God is your fountain of youth. Everything that you have need of is found in here, um, you know. And, 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 and trust us on this. Start now. Send it forward so that you're not trying to catch up with it later. Okay. Um, so here he is. And he's saying, walk not after the flesh. Walk out. I'll just read it this way. Verse four. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk after the spirit. They that are after the flesh pay attention to the things of the flesh. That's the sarks. Okay. That's what we were talking about, that flesh. Well, uh, you know, well, we got we got to live. Yes, you do. But you're not supposed to live from the place of carnality. Just being this, this shaped and framed by the nature of the beast, the humanity, the, the dirt, the earth, the worms, the this, the that. All of the things that, that, that have to do with sin in the world. All the things that have to do with how... All of Adam's descendants lived after they chose to listen to another voice. The bottom line was not eating the piece of fruit in and of itself. The fruit was not the cause of the sin. It was listening to the serpent, which was another spirit seeking to become a god. They listened to another voice besides the voice of God and they had the right to do it because that was their freedom of choice and I am not one to go around telling about like it's all Adam's fault because I don't know what your name is but I guarantee you Adam's not the reason that you do what you do because you don't have you have the right to choose and remember unless you've got what is I said 6,826 demons cannot stop you 
from worshiping God, choosing God, bowing before his feet, no matter what's running up on the inside of you. And the thing about it, the awesomeness of Jesus is when you do that, he delivers you because he's already talking. That's where you can hear the blood. Now, Jesus of Nazareth or Jesus the Christ, the man, he's not here anymore, but he left something. He left his voice through his blood. So the blood is still saying, come out of them. Get off of them. Heal them. Let, let, let that go. You see, the healing power, the cleansing power, the delivering power, the resurrecting power, all of these things are contained in the, the, the resonance, the sound, the vibratory, whatever you want to call it, of the, of the blood of Jesus. His voice, his word, he is his word. It's all encapsulated. Why? Because this is, his blood is the John 3.16. This is the love of God. This is still the will of my father. My blood was shed because that's what my father wanted to please the father to see this happen. Why? Because the enduring, uh, if you will, deeds that I did in the earth will continue through my blood. Talk about a powerful bloodline. Yes. <laughs> you see, you can't duplicate it in the sense that somebody can take it and, and try to replicate and get the DNA and come up with a false thing. You can't do that because you'd have to be able to capture it. And the only way you can do that is through the mouth of the sun. We are here. We talked about this on Sunday. He did it once for all so that we would always do it. So that we will continue to release that power into our lives and into our nation and into wherever it is that it has need. And that, I can save that conversation for Sunday because I get excited about this stuff, I really do. To be carnally minded, or verse five, they that are after the flesh pay attention and it says it do mind the things of the flesh. But you know, when I was a little girl and they talk about mind me, you got to mind me. Then it, it says really, they're like-minded. That's what it means. It is that they that walk after the, they that are after the flesh have the mindset of the flesh. That's what it means to mind the things. But they that are after the spirit have the mindset of the spirit. And since they capitalize spirit there, you know, he's talking about, but they that are after the ways of the kingdom, the mind of Christ, they have that mind. They, they that are after the ways of God, they have that mind at, at, we have opportunity. You, it's like, Again, we have to make this little transition between what he says and what we think. Yeah. It's, it's we, I know the word. <laughs> I know what the word says, but do you think that way? Well, I agree with, no, do you think that way? This is where now again, react or respond. Is it in you? So that you have become that. That's what we're pushing toward. Yes. This is what this is all about. That's why nobody's getting beat up. I was telling um, Bertie today, I said, you know, y'all need to look this up sometime. If you ever want to know how the devil is, is reacting to, to what you're saying, Google or whoever your search is, the fighting squirrels. The what? Fighting squirrels. Chris, look it up. In fact, just look them up because I want you to show them. Because squirrels, 
when they squared off over some nuts, rise up. And I mean, they punch each other. It's one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. But they are mean. Don't mess with my food now. Fighting squirrels. She's going to look it up. And she'll show you. Some of you are already doing it. Don't get distracted. Come back. Come back. Okay. All right. They that are after the flesh. Because what are they doing? They're minding. They are, All I can think about is, I, 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 these are mine. How dare you think you're going to come up in here and try to take your territories over on that side. You see this line? These nuts are on this side. If you find it, sweetie, I don't want the volume, but if you find it, just go ahead and put it up so that you get what I'm saying. Because I wanted to show you an attitude that darkness has towards the things of God. But love, the love of God, if you were trying to square off, I'm not going to call it. See, the love of God is not a squirrel. It's not squirrely. But squirrels are mean, and they're territorial. <laughs> the problem that they all have is that the Bible says that the earth belongs to God. Y'all can get territorial any, over anything that you want to do. You just don't have to own it. Are you with me? Okay. To be carnally minded. Now, here he is. He's saying, but if you have the mindset of the flesh, then you, you have a death mind. You have a, a mind that is oriented towards dead things. Things that are easily decayed. Oh, yeah, there they go. I know, they don't really. Yeah, here it is. Like that one. Look at that. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Look at that. If you can find the one where they're standing up, where they first square off, that's, that's another thing that I just want you all to see. See how that thing is standing? Yeah, look at that one. He's going to take you down. Yeah, right down here. That one. Below it. Yeah, no, that go up. That one, yes. I will take you down. Now, there's other videos where they actually catch them on their patios and stuff, I think, and you can see them actually going at it um, because they, they do a lot. And I know, it's like you're teaching the Bible and you take us to, 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 to yeah, I do. Because I want you to understand that's how darkness threatens people and this is why people still operate in fear because they think the devil is going to get them okay they think that the devil is going to get them if i if i choose to side with god then those squirrels are going to come out they may not come out uh they may not come out like the, the critters out in the yard but they sure will show up in your relatives won't they they surely do show up on social stuff uh they try what you trying to say da, 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 da. Uh, how you trying to think different from me i'll take you down i'll take you down you don't know who you're messing with it's like well actually i do and i'm not going to tell you ways to, to kill squirrels <laughs> but i'm just using it as it's just an example i understand like angry little squirrels people will come at you people will come at you because you think differently because you believe what god said did you dare to believe that god loves you Loves you so much that uh, he wants you to stay with him and to do things the way he's ordered you to do it. He's, people think, well, it's just blindly obeying another voice. Yeah, it is obeying another voice. It's obeying the true voice, the yes. one that knows everything about you and only has good for you. You see, because, again, the Bible told you, he tells us very clearly, I don't condemn you. When a woman is dragged naked out of a sexual encounter, 
and pulled out into the public streets and thrown down at the feet of a man that she hasn't met. And she's surrounded by other men, but the man that she was committing shenanigans with somehow magically has disappeared. He's not there. He had time to get clothed and get home to his wife or whatever it was he was doing. And she was the one that was pulled out in the street because everybody said, look at that. What a scandal. It's a naked lady. And, you know, that she's totally defiled. She's totally and absolutely put on display. And Jesus does not even look at her, and you know his disciples clothe her. And instead, what he does is he waits for the Holy Spirit to speak, because I'm thoroughly convinced people think, oh, he wrote something in the dirt. Maybe he did. I personally think he was like, well, what do you want me to do now? I didn't see this one coming. You know, so what do you want me to do? And he's listening for the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit isn't saying anything. So he's not saying anything. When the Spirit speaks, he'll speak. Until the Holy Spirit speaks, he's not going to say anything. When he finally did speak, they didn't like what he said. And they melted away. And I mean, I'm telling you, you probably that, that was probably the origin of the moonwalk. Because they would back away from this. But when he did look up at her, I know she was covered because he wouldn't have left her that way. And his disciples were trained. So this woman is now, somebody's cloak is on her. And he said, where are those that condemn you? Is there no one left? They're all gone? She says, there's no one here, Lord. And he says, well, I don't condemn you either. Now go and sin no more. People think he's just saying, go be good. No, he's saying, I've just released you from the life that you had. He just Romans 8, 1 her, 1 and 2, before it was even there. He released the law of the spirit of life in him to remove her from the clutches of the law of sin and death. And he just told her, I don't condemn you. I didn't get sent here to condemn you. But what I've just told you is don't sin. Come into, come into uh, under my shelter. Come into my covering, if you will. I am telling you that in me there is no condemnation. So don't go and don't live. You're free. You're free. I guarantee you, because their money would have went down, because most of those guys are like, they watching you. And I think it was somebody who was offended anyway. Otherwise, why pull her out? Whoever the gang leader of is possible, she turned him down. We don't know why. But I'm trying to say to you, you may find yourself in a situation where the whole world's eyes are on you and you're being condemned or they're trying to shame you. And everybody's telling you, shame on you for believing God. Shame on you for daring to be somebody that is created by God and you have the audacity to stand for him. Shame on you. That's what they're trying to tell you. Well, you know, God doesn't put shame on you. And God says about shame, my people shall not be ashamed. So when they try to put it on you, just know that it's like a, a, a pair of a regular pants. It's not going to fit. It wasn't made for you. God didn't give it to you. So 6,826 demons, even if they come in family size or social media size or whatever they are, don't let it, any of it deter you from following after him. All right, let me get to it because I've, I've only got so much. All right. So verse 7, because the carnal mind enmity against God, for it's not subject to the law of God, and it can't be because it's not his mind. The carnal mind 
is always going to fight against God because it's the mind of the dirt. It's the mind of the influence, the demonic influence. What I Are you saying I have the mind of the devil? I don't know what kind of mind you have. What I'm telling you is that if you agree with the things of the earth more than you agree with the things of God, you need to just look at which direction and then think about it. Because you always think of God as high, 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 and you believe the things of the earth, which is low, low, low. So you tell me where you think you are. Actually, don't tell me. Tell you. And then remember, you have the power to change the course of your thinking. I think this is very free. Okay, because you're only mad at people because you want to be. Well, if they stop doing such and such, if you stop, if they stop, they're not living for you. But again, we go back to that. That's what that mind believes. The offended mind thinks everybody needs to do things the way I want them to. Why? Why? Why should everybody do things the way you want them to? What have you done for everybody? <laughs> I'm serious. What, what, what is it that you've done that's so genius, so special, so amazing that everybody in the world needs to bow to you? Who are you anyway? And when you look in the mirror, do you really like what you see? Because I don't think you do. And I don't think you're very happy with you most of the time. You're not happy with anybody else. And how much do you invest in Pepto-Bismol or, uh, sorry, brand name? Forgive me. Those little pink pills or the little white bo blue bottles with white stuff in it or any of the red little tablets that you put on there. How much money do you spend at the doctors because certain things are happening? How, how achy are your bones? How often do you get a headache? How blurred is your vision? Because I guarantee you, it may not be 6,826, but you got some demons that are kicking at you. We can help you to get free if you want to yes, be free. Yes. But if you don't want to believe this, then, you know, kick on, I guess, because that's what they're going to do. All right. So if you're in the flesh, if you think the ways of the world, you're not going to please God. And maybe you don't care if you please God or not. But then don't complain about it. You're not in the flesh. This is what he's saying to those that are of this, of this body, of the kingdom. He says, you're not in the flesh. You're in the spirit. Remember on Sunday we were, we were saying there were certain things like obedience or this or that. It's what I do. This is that language right here. He's saying, forgive. Forgive? Yeah. You forgive them? Yeah. Why? It's what I do. Release them from con con condemning thoughts. You, but they deserve. They are no, it's what I do. It's what I do. That's something you have to actually keep telling yourself. It's what I do, because I guarantee you, until it is what you do, you don't remember. <laughs> it's like, tell me what I do again. Oh, you forgive people. I do? Yeah, it's what you do. Hmm. And that works for me. Yes. I like the way I heard Brother Copeland. I saw this on, on um, Instagram today, and I just uh, gave a, a copy of it to myself. He says, renew your mind to obey God until God's way becomes a habit in your life. So we have to keep telling. Remember, we can agree with it, but it's not necessarily my way. Well, it, in order for it to, so how do I become this? You're going to have to keep reading it, renewing your mind to it until it becomes 
that habit. In other words, I read it, forgive them. And then I'm saying, it's what I do. Forgive those that despise you. Forgive those who, I, I forgive those that despise me. It's what I do. It's what I do. Because I have to, I have to be taught that's a spirit remedy. That's a spirit word. And remember we said, because I'm spirit, my spirit will grab hold of this. But it has to teach my mind. I've got to teach. My mind has to be taught. My will has to be taught. And my emotions have to be taught what I do. Because otherwise, I'm a little fighting squirrel. Okay? Yeah. Because I'm a brown one, mine usually starts with look a here. <laughs> Let me tell you something. You know, that's, that's the opening gambit for, my, for the little squirrel that tries to, to work through me. You know, depending on what country or origin or ethnicity you are, you got your own little little intro. Yeah, okay, yeah. She said, "What's up with that?" <laughs> I think we need to talk. And it's like, and I'm gonna do the talking. You know, so your squirrel is always ready for the battle, but it's fighting the it, it's the wrong origin of fight. My fight because that's still flesh and blood. I don't wrestle. Or throw down against flesh and blood. My fight is not with that. Now, I said all that to get to where we going to go. Where are we going to go? All right, verse 9. We're not in the flesh. We're in the spirit. So that the spirit of God, because the spirit of God dwells in it. He said, if he dwells in you. Well, what you talking about? Well, again, did you come in righteously? Or did you try to sneak in and just... What do I mean by that? I'm talking about y'all grew up in the church or you got taken to church a few times or you go to church, you, you call yourself spiritual. Well, spiritual is not born from above. Born from above is born from above. So you call yourself spiritual and you channel this and you just love mystical and free things and, and you do all that. That does not make you a citizen of the kingdom of God. If he's not in you, you're not in. Okay, that's the way that works. So I love the Lord. That's great. Is he your Lord? Okay, it, where is your name written? Is it written in the Lamb? You can write a book. You can write a lot of books about God and never have written a single thing from him. Because you cannot write a book from him lest you be in him. Okay, he does know your name. That's a song. He knows my name. He knows he knows all that stuff. But do you know him? Mm -hmm. Do you know his name, Savior? That's really a question that we have to look at. Now, do you know him as deliverer? Well, I, I know he is my deliverer. What you been delivered from lately? Well, you know, it's been a slow week. <laughs> Okay, let me finish reading. If Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, resurrection power, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken or bring alive your mortal body by his spirit that dwells in you. So there's your hope. There's, there's our access to uh, the fountain of youth. It's the spirit of God on the inside of us that dwells in you, that quickens, brings our bodies to life. This was the outside force that brought resurrection to uh, Abraham's uh, loins and to, and to uh, Zechariah and others, you see? 
But here it is, the spirit, but we have him in these earthen vessels, this treasure of resurrection power and of everything else that is the kingdom. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh. We don't owe the flesh. You don't owe the flesh. You do not owe the flesh. This is, okay, if we live after the flesh, you shall die. But if through the spirit you mortify the dead, put to de death the deeds of the body, you will live. He is not telling you to kill your body, but he is telling you to stop, to, to, to kill the voice of your body that tells you that I'm in charge. I'm in charge. I'm the body. And sometimes you're large because your body's been in charge. Okay? So all of these things are so. But as many as are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. And that's what the world is waiting for, those that are led by the Spirit of God, not by the flesh. We've got enough of them. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. There. There's that thing. Mark 5. When we saw that those people, because of that bondage, the spirit of bondage and fear, wanted God out. I don't want God here. That's what you're looking at in scenarios all over the planet is they don't want God because they're so inbred by the spirit of fear and bondage that they don't want light because they're used to darkness. And sometimes the you, the they I'm talking about is us. This is not a message that really is to speak uh, anything to the unsaved, because the only thing I can tell the unsaved is Jesus loves you and wants you to come in. But to those of us that are in, I can say, hey, but how, how in are you? Because that's what my challenge was, all right? So the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God, or the children of God. And that's where we stop in Romans 8, uh, 1 through 16. So now, having said all that, last week I, had to, I was put on... Um, I said put on blast, but I, I'm really not that hip. So uh, I'll just say that I was put on display and brought forward or center stage. And the Spirit of the Lord was letting it be known that I want you to have my heart. I'm the author, the alpha, and the omega. The author, the beginning, and the end. I am the, the beginning and the finish. And so you, this good work, uh, Philippians 2.13, which is one of my favorite scriptures, that he has begun this good work in me and will bring it to that completion. Is that the one? You know what? Now I got three scriptures in my head. This is what I meant when I said you can have three things going on at one time and you don't know which one you're talking about. So let me read it. <laughs> See, wrong scripture. Okay, Philippians 2.13 is still one of my favorites and I'm going to read it anyway. It is God who works in you both to will and to do of good pleasure. His good pleasure. This is what he wants to do. This is what I want to do. I want you, verse 12, to obey, not only in, in the presence of the God people, but much more even when, when nobody sees you. Work out your own salvation with fear. I'm talking about the spirit of the fear of the Lord and trembling. He said, what, what, am I, what do you mean work out? Uh, going to the gym, um, doing this, doing that, and the other. Sure, all of those things are great. But what he is saying to us is, I want you to get it done. Perform it. Do this thing that is in you. Do the salvation life and no other. No more half, half and half. Anybody that likes strong coffee looks at you crazy when you offer them half caffeine and half decaf. It's like, what is that? That's a hybrid. That's a hybrid. That's not real coffee. That's something that's a wannabe. Do you understand? If you, took, if you took out the thing that makes it coffee, then why are you calling it coffee? That's like non-fat milk. What is that? 
No, it's not milk. It's not. It, it's 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 something, but it's not milk. Not the real deal. Do you understand? All these things that we come up with that we say I've modified it genetically, changed it so that it's not what it, what you would think it is, but it's something that you should be able to cope with. There is no such thing. You don't try to cope with the word of God. Well, we're going to water it down for you until it's palatable. No, you're not. The Bible talks about a strong meat. Because nobody wants, I mean, come on, seriously, no. Only a carnivore would want the raw, the, 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 the uncooked, the, the stuff that's not prepared properly, the scavenge kind of thing. God says, no, this has been prepared for you. And I want you to eat the whole thing. So I'm put in the center. And he says, I want you to finish this thing. And what specifically for me, as I said, was he's begun this good work. All right. He who has begun a good work in you. He will bring it to the day of completion, right? But I wasn't walking towards the completion. Um, I, on the other hand, have been doing something. To, uh, was doing Well, I was doing it. Let's get this straight. Doing it, but not completing it. It's not enough. I've said this last week. It's not enough to be on the road to obedience, but you should be, or you won't reach the destination. But he just how the scripture just said, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. What he's saying is you're going to have to get on the road and walk on the road. You can't start it and not finish it. Are we are y'all with me? Mm -hmm. Okay, so now I also talked about how once you start to do things, how there's going to be opposition. Well, we just talked about squirrels. Um or whatever it is that you want to say, right? I'm going to have to find the scripture because I need to do this with. Um, okay, there we go. Um, Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will perform until the day of Jesus Christ. So now I've got Philippians 1, verse 6, and then I have that one along with verse 13, where it said that it is God who is all the while at working you, uh, performing. And I, I like to read that one in the Amplified. So uh, that it is God who works all of these things or takes it here. It's not in your own strength. It's God who is all the while effectually at working you, energizing and creating you the power and desire both to will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. Now that is awesome and powerful. And we say yes. Okay, now, but having said that, what about when I'm going to, let's go over to uh, chapter one. Um, what did I say? 126, I think it was. Say what? Yeah, Philippians 1.6. Okay, so here it says, being confident of this very thing. That he who has begun a good work in you will perform until the day of Jesus Christ. So, and there's another scripture, I believe in Corinthians, my brother from whom I labor, or I labor in prayer until Christ is fully formed in you. All right? So we'll, we'll write those down later, but there, there's that. Until Christ is truly formed in you. Why is this important? Because Galatians 3.3, which y'all are pretty familiar with now, I'm not going to do that. Meaning, having begun... 
this, this good, he who began this good work or this good work that has started in the spirit. Do I really believe having begun in the spirit that I will be made perfect in the flesh? And the answer is no. You can't be, okay? So since I cannot be made perfect in the flesh, Philippians 1.6 is telling me that he who began the good work, God said, do this. God said, go to the other side. God said, build me this. God said, do this, that, and the other. The good work was the seed of the word that started on the inside of my heart and a desire to do it. But when the work time came, who do I go to for wisdom? I go to him. And so I'm getting the plan. Okay, good. Now, here's the part that has to happen in the earth. You got to obey the plan. You don't obey the plan in your own strength. It's God, Philippians 2.13, who is all the while at working you, energizing and creating in you because you need it. Why? Why is he energizing and creating in you both the power and the will to do for his good pleasure and his satisfaction and delight? Because you don't have it. It's so full of broken down pieces of this and that and the other and beliefs that are earthbound that even if you have a desire to do it, you don't have it in you to do it until the word abides in those places. We just talked about how you can, you have to, we keep renewing our mind. Now you've seen how the scripture said, I've got to keep renewing my mind to obey God. I have to keep, in other words, I have to get the spirit words to put into myself in order for the spirit himself, because he said, I perform my own word. Jeremiah one, I watch over my own word. So if I have his word in me, who do you think watching over it to bring it to pass? He is. Now, if I don't yield to that because I have, now we see how Mark 5 comes in, I got to be the one. No matter how many of them little things that are in there. I've got to be the one to push past the squirrels. I've got to be the one to run to him. Oh I've got to be the one to so fall down on my knees before him. I've got to be the one to worship and to yield to him. I've got to be the one that says, I will trade unforgiveness for forgiveness. I will trade, I will, I will let this word be in me, which was also, or this mind be in me, which is also in Christ Jesus, All right? So I'm center stage, you gotta get the weight, not, not, not just the weight's been coming off, but you're gonna have to finish this girl. You're gonna have to, you have to be fully manifested that the truth of what he has done, that everybody sees the finished product. This is some things you can say, I don't care if these folks see it or not. Well, unfortunately, this ain't one of those. You can tell whether you're doing it or not. And I noticed in this, but this is the worst week. This was the worst week I ever had since I started this. This was the week when I was challenged. This is the week when I wanted to cry. This is the week when I felt sorry for myself. This is the week where every little ugly squirrel you could think of, rats, rat pack, and everything else came against me. This is the week where I ate more than I had eaten in I don't know how long. This is the week where everything was looking good, not except sugar. Sugar was not. But I didn't take the strength not to eat sugar and put it to work for finish. I had to run to the end of that that you start seeing. It's solidified in me. Okay, thank God for Nicole who makes really excellent. Never mind, you don't need to know. But I <laughs> But she do. And I just actually ate the last piece this week because I was looking for every dessert I could have. <laughs> and, and, and nothing has sugar in it. So it's like, you got to work a little bit at that, okay? I was doing this. I was eating dairy products like dairy products were going out of style. And trust me, there were no flowers in my bathroom. So it was all these things that were happening in my body. And my body said, what are we doing? Well, my body is asking that question because it's being trained by my spirit to obey. 
And I didn't fall off the wagon, if you will. I didn't, I, I don't, I won't, there are certain things I'm just not going to do because it's not in, in me anymore to do it. However, there's not enough of what's not in me. Do you understand? There's not enough of it for me. Let's go back to quantum physics for a moment. I am not resonating at a high enough frequency to repel the things that came at me. When you put get put center stage, that's pretty much what happens because basically center stage means they got a big target and your cute face is right in the middle. <laughs> right? Bullseye. That's what that's what so so basically there's a a word that goes out in the anti-spirit of God realm. Uh-oh. Sweetheart looks like they're getting ready to finish this. And that's a lethal weapon if we let that happen. So calling all forces. Everybody converge. Forget sugar. It's not going to work. Certain <laughs> other things I'm not going to say. Sugar ain't going to work. What can we do? I know. I know. Can you see them conferring? I got five minutes. Y'all yeah. want me to finish this? I'll try. So what are they saying? Well, what doesn't she have? She ain't got no. She ain't got no. She ain't got no. I'm not telling you. She ain't got no. She ain't got no. Let's remind her. She ain't got no. And they did. It's like, do I have almonds, pistachios? What, what do I have in the house? I ate like a squirrel. <laughs> I ate like a squirrel. Cause I ain't one night. I really did now that I think about it. I was like, right? you come near me, we gonna fight. It wasn't that bad, but I realized I was like, my God, what is going on? It's like, what you think, girl? You've been center stage. You should have run to God immediately. He said, you know, you built me. I did. I kept talking about it, but I didn't talk to him. Mm. Run That's to good. him. Get on your knees, if you will. Jesus. Fall before him and say, Jesus, <laughs> y'all to put me on, the, on display. Help me, please. Okay. Which is what I will do now. Because I have to publicly yeah, tell you, you that there has to, that, that, that these things are to be not in my own strength. It is God who is all the while. And so I get the lovely opportunity to teach this stuff and then be a poster child. Are you practicing what you preach? Do you walk in the salvation that you tell everybody else they need to do? Well, hallelujah. You wrote a book about the kingdom. Is the kingdom found in you? Where's your righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost? Oh, I got a lot of hmms. <laughs> it's been a week. So next week, there will be testimony. Right. And I'm so excited Come because on, you know what I did do? I went to God and then I went and I called a phone number that most of y'all know. And I said, Mommy, I need help. Ain't too proud to beg. <laughs> I'm not prideful. She said, you mean to say that whatever I... Yes, ma'am. Why? Having begun in the spirit, will you now be made perfect in the flesh? My flesh ain't perfected enough to be able to solve this problem. You got me. 
We need some help, ladies and gentlemen. Some of y'all will catch what I just said. Yes, yes. I yes. know she did. <laughs> Basketball jokes. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> so that's what I did. So what did I say? Did I lose last week? No, I won. I won. There was an attack against me that looked like it was going to prosper. But you humble yourself. And you say, if there's any pride, it got to go. Okay? If there's what's working, you go, you better get back to it. Especially if it came, I'm talking about when it comes by the spirit. I'm not talking about somebody tells you, you know, eat three turnips and, and drink some apple cider stuff. No, I'm not talking about that. I mean, when the spirit of the Lord has given somebody something for you, if you off your whatever, get on with it. Ask for help. That's what we do. And let's pray for one another. Yes. Because I'm going to, I won this fight. I'm fighting from the place of victory. Evidently in the story of how the overcoming victory of the Holy Spirit came through me, how, the, how it came. It's written in my book that when the thing came against her in the, uh, the season of the win, the season of the taking of the victory. It said, read something different from all the fails. The fails say then she ran off over here and she did this and she did that or he, whoever you are. We ran and, and took to our own devices and, and tried everything and bought everything and did whatever we did. Whether it's for your temper, uh, it's for your finances, it's for your relationships, whatever it happens to be. That's why I said this, this is free. This touches everything. Yeah. Things in your emotions and God has already told you what to do and you're not doing it. Your finances are all because you refuse to tithe or release the offering God told you to, and you're still holding it? Why? Why are you still holding it? Seriously, why are you still holding anything that is preventing you from crossing the finish line? We'll talk about it some more next week. But I'm just here to tell you, yeah, it came against me. And for six days, it looked like this battle was not, you know, I it caught me, and I didn't even know it did, because as strange as it seems sometimes, when you minister, you cannot, okay, last point, please don't try to win the current victory based on yesterday's win. You take the strategy, but you got a new fight. You cannot say, well, I won the last one, so that should, that should suffice. Let me just show you my trophy I won, so there, you should leave me alone. It doesn't work that way. In the Chronicles of David, when he perceived that he had become, that God had made him king, and I don't have time to go into this right now, the Bible tells you that the first time the Philistines came against him, David went to inquire of the Lord and said, what do I do? And the Lord told him, go, you go and face them because I'm giving you the battle. And he won, and there was peace in the land. Then what happened? A couple, whatever period of time went by, and he heard they're back. Which ones are back? The ones you killed? No, the ones that are still alive. They grew. It's a different strain. And these are determined to take you out. And David said, ah, guess what he did not say? He did not say, well, we beat them last time, so we'll just do the same thing. He said, they're here again. Do I go up against them? It turned out God had a different plan. Get the plan that's current to the fight. From the master strategist himself, the Holy Spirit, and the written word of God. Thought I wasn't going to do it, huh? Written word of God. Get the plan, the strategy. Go to the godly men and women that pray for you, that are interceding, or that God has pointed out and said, this is the one that I've given the information that you have need of. And when you get the plan, children, <laughs> follow it. Don't tweak it. 
Don't change it. Don't change the recipe for victory. Follow it. Do it. And then get happy, do your happy dance because your victory will be seen. So having said that, next week, the week after, within the next three weeks, we'll see amazing things. Why? I have great expectation because I got the plan of God. I got the strategy from the Holy Ghost. And the Father in me does the work. I don't. He hastens over his word to bring it to pass. I don't. My part, this is what he told me. So I'll share this with you. He said, your part is to believe. Which means obey. Because what is, you cannot believe unless you obey. Because you don't obey unless you believe. Well, sometimes some of y'all try. But those are uh, behavior modifications. No faith involved. Believe. Let him do what he's doing. Come on, yes. So if I have any questions, I ran out of time. So you have to email us at uh, contact us at astoundinglove.org and send them uh, offerings. If you're withholding your monies, uh, and I'm talking to Astounding Love people, if you're doing something that God, uh, if you're failing to do what God told you to do, please do it. Write your notes down. Do the things that you should do. If you're holding, withholding uh, forgiveness, let it go. If you are still being an offense, uh, being offended, it's time to quit. Um, if Whatever it is, see, I, you thought I was talking uh, money because we're in offerings. Well, we are talking offerings, but I'm also talking let the step go so that the flourishing and your returns that God has already had stored up for you, that you'll get them because there'll be no demonic right to withhold from you. Don't hold on to what does not belong, to, does not come from God. Please, I, I, I beg of you of that. If I owe you an apology, you got it. But I'm not writing you all these, you know, different things because really and truly don't make me or anybody else the focus of your disobedience. Okay? Don't do it. Because when it comes down to it and you're facing Jesus and he's saying, hey, how come you never overcame in this area? Well, those people. No, no, no. It won't be that. We're going to get our own stripes for what we do. But you or me deciding to withhold, that's not the other person's fault. That's us. That's our choice. Don't let those demons hold on to you. That's what I, I, I say to you. Please write your questions if you have them. Please join us on Sunday. We have an announcement also. We have a guest speaker for Biblical Solutions for Life on Sunday, the 21st of this month, in both, uh, both the 945 and the 1145, and it's Apostle, Apostle Eddie Miestis from Southern California from Loving Unity. So those are some of the great things that are coming. We've got a lot of other neat things that are happening, too. We're receiving the tithes and offerings, but in, in the interest of being the fact that I'm four minutes over my normal time of quitting, I'm going to just say that I love you very much. We are praying for you. Ask your questions. Do that. If you know me, text me, email me, do all those kind of cool things. Or if you don't know us yet, then reach us online. We love you. We're praying for you. We are doing this together. The reason I shared everything I said tonight is that everybody else in this ministry, especially here, Let's all walk in the spirit together. Yes. Let's all each overcome what we need to overcome. Let's all finish what we need to finish. And at the end of this 90 days, we will see an astonishing, amazing, powerful, astounding love manifest in our midst. I'm Pastor Lindsay Lee. I thank you so much for joining us tonight, and we'll see you next time. I think we've had an incredible kingdom conversation. Good night.